0: Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
1: One rail is the sovereignty of God. The other rail is the free will of man. And those rails will meet, but they'll meet somewhere in eternity but not in our lifetime. So I pray that we would, as we're studying, we come up with our belief, whatever that might be, on those two issues, that you know a couple of things here in this church is that we love you on either side of that. We love you if you're on this side or that side or the other side. The thing that harms more churches often, not only, is when people become divisive about their particular belief on that issue. And so we don't want to be divisive here, hopefully. Truth will divide. I get that. And I'll divide in the truths that salvation is by faith alone in Christ alone. I'll divide in the issue of eternal security of the believer. But on some of these issues that have been debated a long time, I respect those who believe one way, and I respect those who believe another way. And hopefully with grace from you all to me, that you'll respect the position that I hold at this point in my life and uh, not let this to divide us. In some measure. Are you comfortable with that? Say amen. All right. So you can move forward with that as the Lord would work into your life. So let me continue with this passage. And uh, you might want to look at it because I'm going to ask the passage some questions. Uh, Probably a thousand questions you could ask it. I've selected a few. I put them for you. I just want to remember uh, Packer's final advice. He said, let God be wiser than man. All right. Let God be wiser than man. So who did he choose? If God did choose us, which it says that he does, who did he choose? He chose us. And you could put the word he chose us because that's the word Paul used in the context. But sometimes we think of, okay, that's the us of the people in Ephesus 2,000 years ago. You might want to just put the word God chose you and me. You could even say God chose me. So you are part of God's chosen. And if nobody chose you for anything in your life, then I want you to know God chose you, that you may have run for an office, you didn't get it. You run for some kind of a club office, you didn't get it. But I want you to know that God in His infinite wisdom in the mind of God, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, then you could know that God not only made you a male or a female and He dropped you into history here and He gave you the particular thing we talked about earlier, uh, the last message, I want you to know He chose you to be a part of His forever family and you know Christ is your Savior. Now, I'm saying this because there are some that are not. I remember as a young boy, um, I was much heavier than I am now. And um, so when you're a kid in junior high, elementary and junior high, particularly by senior high, you kind of already figured it out that you're not ever going to go anywhere with that. But as a younger kid, you want to play sports, maybe not so much organized sports, but just on the intramural teams. And it was a very painful time in my life. Because you, the coach would say, okay, you're captain of Team A, you're captain of Team B, and so now choose your guys. And so everybody's jumping up, choose me, choose me. And everybody got chosen. And I was uh, Plumpy Ponds, and I did not get chosen. And so what happened was, you had first pick, so I get ponds, you know, that kind of thing. You're never chosen. Now, it's not about me, the victim. What it is about this is that I'm trying to identify with those of you who really wanted something so badly, and you weren't chosen for a raise, a promotion, a job, whatever it was. I want you to know you were chosen for something far more than that. I don't even remember the names of the guys on my team. I don't even remember the coach that I had then. But I do know that God loves me, and I'm a part of his forever family, and I have a purpose to bring glory to him and growing in his grace. So God chose you, folks. So when you go home and you feel so alone that nobody wants you, I want you to know that the best of the best of the best wants you. Almighty God wants you. So then when did he choose you? This is also very special. He chose you before you were born. It's hard to believe, but you were in his mind. And somewhere along the line, he knew that you would come to faith in Christ because God is all-knowing and things are being orchestrated and you're coming along. And he chose you before the foundation of the world. I look at that phrase, before the foundation of the world. That means it was before yesterday or even last week. Here's a great way to look at it. You are not a part of God's afterthought you are part of God's eternal thought. You're not a Johnny-come-lately. You're not a, okay, we've got to. You're part of God's eternal thought. So for just a moment, if you're a part of God's eternal thought, you want to rest in that love. And in the context, it says that, but it also says His grace. And as you have that to know that you are in God's mind, He has a reason for you to be here. Will you seek that reason out? And for some of you it may not be a particular career. For us, I think the first place to start is to bring honor and glory to him in my thoughts, in my talk, in him how I walk for God. So we were chosen before the foundation of the world. How precious is that? You might say, Well, you know, my mom and dad said that that I was an uh oh baby. You know what I mean by that. I'm not going to define it. There's no such thing as an uh oh, baby. We've got. Next, the third question Why did he choose us? Why did he choose us? This goes back to what I was saying just a moment ago. For us to be holy and without blame, are holy and blameless. That we should be holy and blameless before him. All right, what does holy mean? I'm going to give it to you very simply. The word holy means to separate, but a lot of times we, we, we spend a lot of time on holy means to separate from sin, separate from sin. I am not minimizing that, but I also don't want to just say it is only separating from sin. I believe also in the context of holiness is I'm separated from sin, but I'm also dedicated to God. So there is, I'm from this toward that. Now, let's look at the next one, the word blameless. Well, that basically means without blemish. Without blemish, obviously. Now, look up here for just a moment. I'm going to say something that um, most of you already know because it's been well taught in this church, very accurately taught in this church, and very frequently taught in this church. It's what they call positional truth and practical truth. All right, positional means when I trusted Christ, I am now in Christ, and God sees me by seeing Christ. And whatever he sees of Christ, he sees of me. And since Christ is perfect and holy and without blame because he is sinless, God sees me that way because I am now in Christ. All right. You've seen me do this illustration a lot. Some of you are so new here. I'd like you to see it again so that you can capture what we're saying. This little torn piece of paper is going to be you and me. All right. For this case, for me. I'm a sinner. So here am I without Christ. I haven't trusted Christ. I'm a sinner. All right? Since I am such a bad sinner, we're going to put a little bit more sin on here. Rub it here on the bottom of my foot. This is me. All right? Now I go along, and I'm coming to some form of Protestantism that's trying to tell me that to go to heaven, I have to be good. I have to make God happy. I have to make him accept me by changing some of the things that I do. In fact, I need to be holy. I need to be blameless. And so now I try to clean myself off. And now I die and I stand before God. I might be a little less blameful. all right. I'm going to be less blameless, but I guess you can. all right? I'd be a little bit more holy, but I still have sin. Now watch very carefully. This is important. This will be the truth through the entire book of Ephesians. My Bible now representing Jesus Christ, who is God. He is perfect. We already know that. No sin on him whatsoever. Here am I as a sinner. When I now place my faith in him, just as I am a sinner, I place my faith in him. When I trust him as Savior, I am now accepted in the Beloved One. We'll open that up in a moment. I am now in Christ, the smallest little important word in the book of Ephesians. I am now in Christ. So now when Christ, God looks upon me, he doesn't see my uh, depravity, my sinfulness, etc. What he sees now is Christ. So now, I've been saved, and when I am saved, I trusted Christ as Savior. Watch this now. I am blameless, and I am completely holy. How many of you have trusted Christ as Savior? Would you raise your hand? Or look to the person next to you and say, I am holy. Would you do that? All right. Now, on the other hand, you can look to the person and say, you sure don't act very holy, or you're holy with a W kind of a thing. And that's the case, too. Because while I am in Christ, seated in the heavenlies with him, positionally, practically though, on planet Earth, I still have my life. And now what God wants me, and I'm chosen to be, is I'm chosen now to be holy, not positionally, because I am because I trusted Christ. I am now chosen to be that way so that I would live that kind of a life. Now, here's the deal. God chose me to be this, chose to be holy and blameless. The beauty of it all is that he doesn't just say, you're on your own, buddy. What he now says, he says, look at Scripture, I'll define what holiness is and isn't. Look at Scripture, I'll define what blamelessness is and isn't. Let me remind you, you have the Holy Spirit now inside of you, which we'll get into in future weeks. He says, I want you to know the Spirit is inside of you. I am inside of you, and I will live out my sanctification, my holiness through you if you let me. I will convict you when you get out of bounds. I will empower you when you're in bounds. And he says, with all of that, you'll become holier and holier, blameless, more blameless, not so that you can get to heaven, but because you are a blood-bought, born-again believer in Christ. So, in essence, we could say that before the foundation of the world... He chose me to be holy positionally, and he also chose me to be holy practically. So now the real issue is, is if you want to know, what am I supposed to do with my life? I think the first good place to begin is where he began right here. Holiness, separating yourself from sin and dedicating yourself unto the Lord, a righteous person. Living a life that people can't point their their finger at you for some sin that you've done in your life. Now you might say, what happens if I blow it? Well, God gives us a back door for that too. It's called confession. And when we confess it, we get going again. So being um, a Christian doesn't mean I'll ever be sinless. It just means that I should, what? sin less. Okay? So that's part of this chosen part for us, to be holy and blameless. So number one, the first blessing is God has chosen us to be holy and blameless. So if you need something to go home with today with all these great, rich truths, just take this home that you were in the mind of God. God brought to you the message of salvation. He did all the work for you. He's provided this for you. He's even brought you this message of how to be saved by faith alone in Christ. And that, that little line right there, the Spirit of God is working with you, and you know He is. I can't explain it. Step over and trust Christ. And with that, Your life now opens up to a vista of great stuff going on in your life. Now, you might say, Stan, that's so hard for me to understand. You're you're right. Um, Can you imagine trying to decide what Disney World looks like if you've never been there and someone is inside Disney World on their cell phone talking to you trying to describe the Magic Kingdom? That'd be hard to be able to picture in your mind if you've never seen Disney World. So what do they do? They throw you a DVD. That looks really great, but it's still not everything. They might give you a free brochure that's got pictures from one end to the other. You still don't know it until you're there. So God's given us the spirit to understand these truths, and you will understand. Watch this now. A lot more than if you ever saw a DVD. I get that. But I promise you, when you get to heaven, when we get to heaven, Those truths are going to even take on greater meaning. That's why these spiritual blessings in the heavenlies, how beautiful this is. Well, let's go back now to blessing number two. We're only going to do two blessings today. The second blessing is this. God has adopted me into his forever family. I'm trying to use some simple words for you to understand when I talk about the word adopted although there's some discussion over what exactly meant adoption, and you can go through a lot of that. And I'm, I'm going to try to make it uh, simple for you today, but I encourage you to go back and look over those notes. I'm going to read to you now out of the uh, New King James as we go through this passage. God has adopted me, a person outside of his family, into his forever family. And this passage begins by saying, In love, having predestined us, All right, that's a direction ahead of time, to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. So let me ask, ask this passage some questions and answer them and show you how rich this passage is. And you could put a star by it because it right now is again giving us more and more of the assurance of our salvation. Why did he adopt me? Because he loved me. He loved me not because he saw me as a desperate victim. He adopted me into his forever family, not because I was so depraved, or definitely not because I was good, but so that he could show to the world his love, his grace, and his mercy. So whatever he did for us, we're really a byproduct of a bigger truth. It's not just about, hey, I get saved, I got fire insurance, whoopee! Yeah, we got all of that, but really it was so that God would get all the glory and all the honor and all the praise for doing this to such a -a ragamuffin group of humans like you and me. So it's all in his love. How precious that is. So let me just remind you that uh, you may have had someone tell you that they love you, and then uh, that was at the the marital altar, and you wondered how it turned out. So violent at the end, and your only safety was to get out of that. Whatever happened to that love? I am so sorry you had to go through that. That's part of uh, the fall with Adam, and we're experiencing that. Not Carol and me, but we as humanity is. But I want to assure you that while God is a righteous judge, he is also one of great loving kindness. And as Jeremiah points those two truths out of it, In the very middle of it, it talks about his righteousness. And the righteousness means he knows how he demonstrates his judgment, so it's not just vindictive hate. And he also knows how to demonstrate his loving kindness because he is such a righteous, holy God. God loves you. I don't know why some people have this negative feeling about God, maybe because they only look at one side of the coin. Others look on another side of the coin. They draw their own conclusions, but I assure you, they do not get that conclusion from an accurate interpretation of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Satan's in there somewhere. God loves you. The second question is, what is adoption? Well, again, that's where we can really spend a lot of time, but to make it very simple for you, it's a relationship of adult distinction within the family. It's a relationship of adult distinction within the family. Um, again, I, I know some of you probably are feeling uncomfortable and we continually using our family, but it just seems like our family fits all this stuff going on in the world. But we adopted two boys, and we took in a girl basically off the street. Uh, Carol and I never uh, fathered or mothered birth children uh, together or somewhere out in life, all right? We haven't done that. But let's say that we were able to have a child, as some have. They they end up here adopting a child, and pretty soon they have their own child. I, you know, it's kind of odd how that happens, but it does. When you adopt someone into your family, the proper way to do that is to sense that that child is your child and has all the rights and privileges that your child, birth child, would have as much as this child has. A term that Carol and I have used from the very beginning with our boys is if they wanted to know about their mother, to give them a clarity of focus, we um, help them to understand that Carol is their mother. The other woman is their birth mother. And so when Joe comes to church, when he comes into town, you'll see him, he'll refer to Carol as mom, my mom, my dad, my mom, my dad. We didn't birth them, but he has a birth father and he has a birth mother. All right? We're going to talk about that in a moment here, uh, theologically. But now when you get adopted, all that the son would get of the birth child, the adopted one would get. Now, to me, that's a very precious, precious position that you and I have that. Now, let's look at it this way. We have God, the what? God, the son, and God, the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about God, the son. Jesus, Son of God. Now we can go into the Son of Man. There's a distinction there in the context of the different Gospels, but for right now, God the Son. He is the Son of God. I am a Son of God by nature of the new birth into His forever family. I'm a son of His because I've been adopted into God's family. Now here's what's so beautiful. Everything that God has, He has given to His Son And when I am accepted in the Beloved One, watch this now, adopted into the Beloved One, everything that God has, Christ has, everything that Christ has, I have. Can you imagine how very rich we are for those who trusted Christ? Now, to unpack that, get last week's message. But the idea is that adoption doesn't give us a second-class citizenship. It makes us all one in that family. Now... Before we were saved, we left a family to get saved. We left a family, and that family was Satan's family. Because it says in John, ye are your father, the devil, speaking to the unsaved. That's why the world is such a dysfunctional family. Because they have a dysfunctional father that has twisted their thinking, and they live a dysfunctional life. We who are Christians... Now we have a new father because we are born again into God's family. We are adopted into God's forever family. Watch this now. And we have a potential, because we're in Christ, to be very functional. If we follow, watch this now, the voice, the teaching, the speaking, the mentoring, the ministry of God in our life through the Godhead in His Word, we follow that, then we can have a very functional, thriving healthy family. Now, when I started our message, I talked about to have it with other people, we have to have it with God. That's why the weeks ahead, as I spend so much time in this passage, is for us to really know God, really appreciate God, so we're so close to Him that it gives us the substance, the impetus, the power, the instruction, and the example of how we can reach out to other people. So, We can be a functional church. We can be a very healthy functional church even though we have different personalities and spiritual giftings and all of that. Because at the heartbeat of all of us, here's what we all have in common. The Holy Spirit. His Word. His reason. His glory. So again, we're adopted into His forever family. We kept We came from Satan's family, and we joined God's family. I am loved, and I'm wanted by God. We shared this with the boys, and it got out of hand, so we had to correct it. When the boys came to live with us, we would say, you know what? Um, If we had our own kids, we're kind of stuck with them, because they were just kind of out they came, and there they are. But you... We picked you out of a lineup. Not literally, folks. Not literally. Sometimes it felt like that. But we picked you. We picked you. We chose you. We wanted you. We love you. We didn't have to have you kind of thing. So then they go to school and they're saying, You're nobody. You weren't chosen, you know. We're chosen, you know. And so we had to work on that. So that's what happens. An overextension of a truth creates a problem. Now... What is the reason for the adoption? Go back to the passage. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ. Look at this again. Sons by Jesus Christ to Himself. Underline that for a moment. That's part of the holiness. From sin to Him. I belong to Him. I live for Him. To Him. According to the good pleasure of His will, as the New King James says. Other translations say, according to his kind intentions. However you want to look at that, it is to show God's good pleasure, God's kind intention. He delights in what he did. He delights in himself, and we become a byproduct of his good intentions. When the boys came with us, we got them to, they, they moved into our house on Carol's birthday. This is so weird how this happened. Came into our house on Carol's birthday but the, the state wants to watch us so we don't abuse kids. And so they give us nine months. Nine months later then, we can go to the court and they become legally ours. So that nine month is still kind of a, kind of a trial basis. I thought it was neat that it would be nine months. But they were then part of our family. So what we decided to do is to call that day their happy day. Not their birthday. But they're happy day. The reason is because they were birthed into another family. But now they became a part of our family, and it becomes a joyful, happy day. And so as I look through this passage of Scripture, I can't help but think it was a happy day for the Lord, a joyful day for the Lord, a good intention day for the Lord, according to His good pleasure. And I'm all a part of that good pleasure of God, and so are you if you trusted Christ. It's also to show God's will. It says, according to his will, he chose to do this. He was in charge. In other words, it was his choice that I become a part of his forever family. Now, I might have chosen it after I got all this information and he worked a thing in my heart through the Spirit and all of that. But at the end of the day, I said, Jesus, I'm placing my faith alone in you, in you alone. And so in a sense, I'm saying forsaking all others for you alone. I'm trusting in you.
0: You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible.